got the license. That's been years in coming. Totally, and then there was some other thing. Two of us were that might say, not now yet, but they got coming. We have desired to be with you, and we are absolutely delighted to be with you this weekend. Mike and Linda, we love you guys. Having with you last night, staying at your place this weekend, but actually, you know, and uh, I only have this against you. It would not be exciting this weekend. <laughs> All I am and all Victor is and all each of us is, we are just servants of Jesus Christ. And the only question is, are we faithful? Whether we have got five gifts or two gifts or one gift, the reward is the same as long as we are faithful. So I don't come to you except as a brother, which is a sister to you. And we honor you and we thank you for holding the line carrying the banner, for serving and building this church. And praying for you this morning, a word that I have, a word that I have for you, prophetic word, is favor. There is favor upon every nation on earth. There is favor upon you as a people. Trust God. Expect great things from God. Attend great things for God. Because there is the favor of God Step up and step out and believe the great things. Because the favor of God is upon you as a people and as a church. This is my beautiful wife, Rita Lathiori. We can be married 30 years and thank you for all the most beautiful, best wife in the whole world. Our sons got married two years ago and Four months ago, something like that. Five months ago. So the one, the two on the left is James and Amy. They live um, in Cape Town, Moody Point to be specific. They're part of the Every Nation City Bowl Church Bond, which has been going for the last three years. James and Amy are like, they don't have elders yet, they're like elders in the church. Um, they're not full time, but they're carrying weight. And I honor all of you. Well, not full time, but very great. And that's what Nick and I did for many years. I only went into full time ministry when I was 14. And there's no limit to how God can use you whether you're full time or part time or So, James and Amy are that. Amy's a doctor and James is an actor. So, when they walk in the room, the average IT goes up. I think they've got me. They've got his mother's brains. And then on the right hand side is Sean and Laura. Sean, both of us saved me so much. And both our daughters they love saving me so much. Sean is a campus missionary. Uh, Sean is your courier, you know. <laughs> He's serving on Stellenbosch and uh, seen a great harvest. Campus been closed for two years and now, I mean, their services are just flying. Uh, a lot of men. To the Lord, there are a lot of men going out to evangelize. So, the evangelism team that goes out on a weekly basis it's mainly young student men. And that's just awesome. So, the campus ministry found 450 people on a Saturday night. And God's just doing amazing things. Laura, his wife, is a teacher, junior primary teacher, like Nicola, 
went to study junior primary teaching, taught for a while, and saw the boys. And uh, we are blessed by them. We didn't force them to become Christians. We said to them, we want you to become Christians. We will love you, we will feed you, we will send you to the rest of you if you don't serve Jesus. But um, we're so grateful that they, yeah, we said to them, Mike made the comments about ribeye steak. That's true. I never eat the ribeye steak until I eat Mike and Linda. Now I've got an expensive habit, but I don't do that. <laughs> and when I went to the student um, leaders gathering, Kobe, what's it called when you have to gather at the end of the year? The staff summit. So the evening of the staff summit, after all the services have been finished, it's about 10 at night, they said, let's play the time. And they invited me to play. And uh, me and my boys, we play like high-level guitar. We don't know what so it's like a board game. It's best, the most famous popular board game in Germany, like the strategy game. Anyway, because I played with my boys and I played with them, I always lose. Anyway, when I played with these two leaders, I smashed them. <laughs> because Mark and Linda taught us proper. They taught us good. And instantly, it wasn't about preaching, but it was about street creating the dawn. They opened their hearts into the gospel. We're going to, I want to share three messages, and uh, after each message, we're going to pray and we're going to discuss in groups. Uh, I'm typically not a long speaker, I know this is a long introduction, but I'm typically not a long speaker. And we really want to spend time to internalize. What I share and process it and pray it and, and, and talk about it, and we'll have a very coffee between the breaks as well, etc. I want to take you to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Servants of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set aside for the gospel of God, an honored position, a unique call, a marvelous mission. So, this is arguably the greatest letter, right? Romans is probably the greatest letter of the New Testament. And it's written by, apart from our great apostle, Jesus Christ, Paul is probably the, the greatest apostle that ever was. How he introduces himself is fascinating. He doesn't change his name. Don't name Paul means it means small. But you think he changed his name to Abraham or something like that, isn't it? He does the very minimum to introduce himself, Paul. And then he describes himself in this honored position of a servant of Christ Jesus. The word is doulos can be translated as love slave or bond servant. He describes himself and he identifies himself first and foremost as a servant. Because of the sin and oppression of apartheid, there's a stigma to being a servant. But Paul uses it as a primary identifier. He identifies himself as a servant. Because of the cult of individualism that comes from the West, 
There's a massive suppression, really, associated with being servant. It's not cool to be a servant. Paul relishes being a servant. Because of the focus on self-realization, being a servant jars against our culture. Paul rejoices being a servant to Christ Jesus. It's not about his self-realization. It's about the realization of the great mission. My friends, brothers, sisters, I pray that you prosper. I pray that if you're single and you want to get married, that you get married. Pray we get married or if you are married, you have two point two kids and you have a beautiful house. <laughs> I pray that God prospers you in all things. Beloved, I pray that you prosper all things even as your soul prospers as it says in God. But above all, we identify ourselves in Christ Jesus. Before anything else, Paul identifies himself as being on mission. He identifies himself. It's being a servant of Christ Jesus. Before we pursue our own agendas, can we identify with being a servant of Christ Jesus? Not a servant of man, but a servant of Christ Jesus. Can people look at us and see that we are serving the one, the most beautiful, the most amazing, the most incredible one? Being a servant. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of favor. It's a place of breakthrough. God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Years ago, our church was very small. We just began. This was the late 80s. What was our relation Johannesburg and 10 congregations? We really pulled these people, we pulled Mary off into the church flew these two like super cool dudes. We were all single and these were like the hottest two dudes that ever arrived and all the girls went to fit the Twitter, you know, like those kind of girls, you know. And um, the one went on to do incredible things and he's living in Ireland now. And the other one, he was very hard-hearted and wasn't willing to receive correction and he wasn't willing to serve, he was just cool. But he didn't do anything. Um, and we endeavored to engage him, encourage him, and serve. And he was a graduate from Rainbow Bible School, which was like the level of charismatic education back then. Not saying it's not coming on anything now. Anyway, I see him now today. And I do see him. I see him on the streets of Johannesburg. He's probably late 40s and he's a white fellow. Because he was just not willing to do what God called him to do. And he was not willing to do it in humility. There was no humility. And there was no servant heart within that man. And when I see him, it's a constant reminder of the same. Listen to my brothers and sisters, be humble, and be a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul then describes his, his unique calling. He said, Called to be an apostle. Maybe you know what you want to be. Maybe not sure. I wasn't sure for a long time. But you've got to stop doing this. You've got to stop comparing yourself to other people. If you compare yourself to people, one of two things happen. 
I think you'll be proud. Because you'll see how good about yourself because you do more than other people or you're better at some things compared to other people. And I will become proud. Or you'll become discouraged. Because other people are so much better than you at other things. Can each of us joyfully embrace the calling that God has put upon our lives? The lame, the Bible talks about a metron, a measure. Can each of us embrace what we call to be? Be we teachers or pastors or prophets or evangelists or teachers or apostles, we give people the gift of giving or the gift of hospitality or the gift of encouragement, whatever the gift is, can we embrace what we are called to be? So I, I love sharing the gospel. And um, I share the gospel. When, when I see opportunities and uh, I look for them, typically I have some kind of engagement every day. The great engagement up in Hummel's Crawl yesterday, uh, drove yesterday morning up to our songwriters who were traveling. We keep their joy. The great joke of the tenants, and I just felt the love of God on me and through me. Two meters back, it was awful. But about four years ago, I realized that. I'm having these short conversations, and because of my travels, I can take time about something, you can take time to go to churches at the same time. I wasn't sufficiently engaging people on a long term basis. So I left my running crew, cycling crew that was part of the church, and I joined a secular running crew that's like a, like a running club. And it's all these like C suite executives, etc. Et so like, the first time I told them, and they said, What are you? So I'm a pastor, so I, I dropped this thing bomb in the middle. You know, so, so just, just a good practice of it. It's like, what did I say? And I've got better and better, and I'll tell you some more, some of the fruits and some of the testimonies in a moment. And I've got better and better. Now they ask me, what am I? I've got, like, I've got a three way option. You know? I've got the short story, I've got the long story, and I've got the funny story. You know? And all of it's leading people to Christ. You know? but, but talking about running in LA and being people to be. Two years ago, I'm from a car family. So my family likes cars. My dad likes cars. And my brother likes cars. And I had some nice cars. And uh, I'm driving a, it's a great car, but it's now I'm driving a little car. It's a great little car, you know? So there's no, there's no pride in this car, you know? And when I arrive to go running, and maybe this is just my ego, when I arrived with my little car to this running crew, everybody's in their 1.5 million Toyotas and Land Rovers, and I'm in my little Suzuki, so I feel like they look at me and do this. <laughs> Lose up, you know? <laughs> like at your age, you should be driving a better car. I mean, I just, like, as long as I'm feeling that way, I feel like God is there to me, keep driving that car. I'm really over it. Maybe next time I'll come, I'll come in a fancy. <laughs> but the point is, we all suffer from the intimidation of comparison. We all suffer from this thing of society pressing on us, telling us who we should be, telling us we're not good enough or we're not like Can we be people who hear the voice of God and do what He's called us to do? And if you're not hearing so well, then 
your family, your spiritual family, speak over you and pour you out because they give it to reticence and you need to be sitting out. If you read people who say yes to God, to the calling of God in their lives, we are meant to live rich and meaningful lives, being on a mission for God, advancing His kingdom. Paul's identified himself as called to be an apostle. Can God speak over you? If you contacted through the church, can your family speak over you? If you run in your life, Without fear, without intimidation, without embarrassment, in terms of who you call to be. And then Paul talks about the marvelous missionary design. He says, set apart for the gospel, consecrated to the gospel. That's a positive word, this majestic mission, this apostolic mission of making God known. This marvelous mission of partnering with the Holy Spirit and seeing God confirm His word in signs of His story. This should be the great motivation of our lives. Because ultimately, what counts? What, what do you take with you to heaven? Ultimately, you take people. Ultimately, that's all you take. Can we be on a mission? Can we be on a gospel mission to advance the kingdom of God? Brothers and sisters, you you were once on your own mission. All of us were once on our own mission. Now we've been called, and I, I acknowledge you are obeying God, and you are following God. But if we make sure that we don't do this in a half hearted way, that we begin to follow God, can we commit ourselves to doing what we do, even in the mission of God? During COVID, one of the guys, is JPT. One of the guys in the rain crew on the bench house is named Gavin. He's a bit older than me. Um, he looked quite sick. So the only way to love on him and to reach out to him was to build on chocolate, which is like a great love language for many people. You know? It's not. Nice. <laughs> what did you say? Powerful. <laughs> so I, I dropped off built on chocolate in his house and um, prayed for him and sent him messages. Response was all pretty erratic. And then on a Saturday, I was running, and our customers wouldn't be running, running quite hard for like two kilometers and then walk for like 30 meters and then running out. It's all it's a running all running mile. As we got to the top of the hill, it's now my powering together. Caught up with Gavin's stepdaughter, Kayla. So I said to Kayla, how's Gavin? How's your dad? So much better. Great. And then she said, but I've got this like excellent thing in my arm. I've tried everything. It's just like I'm just it's driving me crazy. It's so painful, you know. Not sure if it shingles. And breaching all COVID protocols. I just put my hand on her arm. And I said, Jesus, touch her. The Lord heal her. And then we turned around. Tuesday, she literally comes running up to me with a boyfriend. And she says, I'm healed. It's gone. It's gone from me. I've been trying to get rid of this thing for months and it's gone. My phone gave it that afternoon. What's it, Gavin? He's a really gone. 
Great mission. God has called you, us, as a church. 